Hi, this is Frank, the co-host of the show. Just a quick advertisement and we'll get started. The show is brought to you by Viral Marketing, which is my firm, and Chris Waters, who offers a way to scale his real estate team systems fast and profitably in your market. I mean, he's done over a thousand transactions a year in Austin. It's a business in a box, if you will. Anyway, I encourage you to go to getviral.com and download a free copy of our official video marketing plan that we recommend uh, you implement to stay in better touch with your database uh, using video and social media and email so more people call you to list their home. I also want you to go to themilliondollarrealestateteam.com and get yourself a free copy of Chris's book he wrote on how he earned after expenses, this is net profit, $1 million in only three years since starting his team. So that's it. No more commercial. And let's get to the show. One, two, three, go. All right, do it. The Listing Lead Show. So welcome back. It's time for the Listing Lead Show. Uh, You're going to hear from Daniel Beer in San Diego, a pretty darn competitive market. I think if you were to go, uh, go sell real estate in the San Diego market, the joke for years is there's more real estate licenses than there are driver's licenses. <laughs> it seems like everybody in Southern California wants to sell real estate. And we all know it's a very low barrier to entry business. And Dan has, through years of perseverance and hard work and much trial and error and basically seeing Dan at about every single event that I go to to learn from the best of the best, has catapulted his team. Uh, this is last year during the pandemic in excess of 10 million GCI. It's, that's a very rare number you see anyone break. It can be done in San Diego. Dan, what's the median sales price there now? Median sales price is now in the 700,000 range. It's about 750,000. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and then that's about 438 homes to do that kind of business in San Diego last year. We have a higher average price point. Uh, so at our average price point, yeah, we did five, we did 438 homes. It was 336 million, and we did right about 10.1 million in commission. And how long have you been at this game, man? How long have you been in real estate? It, it, worth mentioning when I mention our commission income because there's so many ways people slice this and report, right? And so it's never you're never getting an apples to apples. I, we're reporting on what we receive, like what we deposited into a beer home team. Yeah, real Big revenue. account, right? So not including referral fees that went out and because that, that was not our revenue. So either us or a beer home team agent took in 10.1 million. That's incredible. So that's top line revenue on the PL. You were at all your expenses off that. Yeah. What were you asking before I interrupted you? No, I was just I was just saying how long have you been in real estate? Just give the audience a little background of how long you've been at this. Two thousand five was the, the year I got licensed and I, you know, the, the, the quick version is I spent probably from 2005 through about 2008, 2009, when the market crash came, I was just sort of dicking around, right? Just hoping my phone would ring and treating it, um, treating, I'm going to call it treating it as an amateur or as a hobbyist and just kind of hoping, hoping someone came to me, one of my parents, friends or whatever it might be. And if so, great. And if not, I was at the beach. Uh, the issue is the market comes, it crashes, all that disappears. You're forced to build a real business. I figured out how. I'm just going to fast forward. Spent about 2010 through 2013 um, just screwing it up, building a team, um, bringing people on, undoing it, tearing it all down, rebuilding it, just kind of taking my bumps and figuring out how to get, you know, how to build up the 
a right model, quote unquote. And there's a lot of right models, but a sustainable model. And so the current iteration of the team, Frank's been together since um, early 2014 is when we were born in our, in our, as we're known now as the beer home team. Give everyone, before we get into the top listing sources, which is why you're here to listen to this podcast and we're getting how Dan generates his leads, why don't you just briefly explain your model of marketing to inbound to agents to listings to transactions? Just kind of give us the lifeline of a lead yeah. of kind of the operations process from start to finish. I'll do that. And it's worth mentioning, Frank, that I really dig this super soothing, low, silky voice that you're using on this podcast. Oh, thanks. I love it. I love it's it. the well, it's the Yeti microphone, so you can pick up one of these for 120 bucks. You were you were going crazy until we went live, and then all of a sudden you got really calm, really smooth, and so. Well, I try to bring yeah. a sense of calm to people when they're on the show. I listen to a lot of NPR. Good. All right. <laughs> so lead comes in. We're, we 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 run an ISA model. Okay, so our ISAs are in house. Um, let's just take a step back. Because this shouldn't be such a uh, such an earth-shattering or mind-blowing concept, and of course, there's a lot of great organizations across the country that run it this way. But we're still the real minority in the industry, which is this is a sales business in a sales industry. We're a sales organization, and the core sales conversion function, taking a lead who's you you've just spent marketing money and or time or effort, depending on how you're getting your leads, right? You could be doing it through prospecting and so on, or you could be bringing it in inbound through through spending money um, and investing it. But in any case, you've gone through a great degree of effort to bring in the lead. And there's so many agents outsourcing the, conversions, the conversion process to their overseas ISA, to their to their, you know, they, they just want someone else to do it. And here's, a, here's the kicker where most people think very differently. A lot of them are outsourcing and don't know it because they're outsourcing it to their 1099 independent contractor agents that are on their team. So last I so last I checked, my 1099 independent contractor agents, they're not you know property of your home team. They might be at company X, Y, or Z tomorrow. So we believe in an inside sales organization, ISA world, where where we have in-house employed. You know, W two employees who nurture our leads from when that lead shows up all the way to they are now a client who wants to go and either sell their home or or buy a home. So, and they're all in San Diego. All in San Diego. So the business is structured such that marketing brings the lead in, inside sales takes it from lead to client. Our agents then take that person from well lead lead to appointment. Excuse me. Sure. What different way of saying the same thing? That, that's better. I'm trying to say the same thing. Yes. Lead to appointment, right? Or we now have a client when we have that appointment. It takes place that that agent goes client to contract, and that's where our agents live. Client to contract. Client to contract. Got it. So they're they're just going on appointments, getting contracts signed. Once we have a contract, the operations team closes it out, takes over logistics. Right. What's that? Got it. There's a lot of people that are going to be wondering this. And I know we were talking about listing Legion here, but can you, Dan, Dan, can you tell us a little bit about the comp structure you have set up for your local ISAs? Yeah. Our local ISAs are on the, are they're on salary. 
Okay, so they're on a, they're on a salary. How much do you got to pay an inside salesperson in San Diego to get a good one? You're going to have to pay anywhere from, you know, what we've what we've found anywhere from thirty to forty or so thousand dollar base salary, and then we go fifty dollars per appointment held and a qualified appointment held. Okay, so they set an appointment. It has to be a qualified appointment. It has to be held, and our agent go that goes lets us know if it was qualified appointment, if it was not, and why. And we'll challenge them, right, if there's not a good reason. Um, if 40 of those in a month will earn you a $1,000 bonus, we, and all, all of our employees also have our benefits package, which includes a profit share 401k program, health, life, disability, um, and, and... Do you match their 401k? No. Or no, do you no, just no. provide that to them? So the 401k is structured such that we establish a profit threshold every year. And up to that profit threshold, there's no money that's shared. Above the profit threshold, every dollar shared 50-50 with our employees, up to 25% of their base salary. So sometimes we only, you know, sometimes they get a, we've had years where they get a, a 16% bonus, multiple years where they get the full 25% bonus. We've had one year where they got a zero bonus. Um, and we've had years where in those 25% bonus years where there was actually more shareable dollars than got shared because we hit that 25% threshold. What do you share your P&L yes, with everyone? Are you an open book company? What, um, what are the threshold? Like two questions. Do you increase that threshold every year? Um, and then second question is what's the average um, person getting at the end of the year on average? What kind of bonus are they getting from profit share? The pro well, that's going to be 25% of base salary, up to 25% of base salary. Yeah. Right. So like for, if you make, for, it, it, you know what this is from is that, that for every position within the company, it's going to be variable. But to answer your first question, which I've forgotten. So go ahead. Um, do you change the threshold yeah. for that bonus yeah. each year? If you're going to run the program like this, it there's a few things involved because you have ultimate say on what that threshold is. Okay. But there's an integrity issue that has to come into play where if I say, okay, guys, great, I'm going to share 50, 50, um, over and above, you know, $5 million in profit. Wait, but Dan, didn't we only do $2 million profit last year? How are we going to do five? Yeah, so I'm clearly not wanting to share anything at that point. I also am not going to say, okay, we're going to share 50, 50, uh, over and above a hundred grand because I've just basically given everyone a 25% bonus for pretty much not accomplishing anything. So it, they have to trust that I am establishing a threshold where I genuinely do want to share that we're, we're also going to have to accomplish something. And yes, the, 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 the track record, Chris, has been, it's, we've raised it every year. Um, and last year, even with raising it every year, I was really, really excited to pay everyone out 25% bonus. That was one of our 25% years. The way it's gone for us is our first year doing it, we went 25%, second year, they earned a 16%, third year, they earned a zero, fourth year, they earned 25. And now we're in our fifth year of the program. It also has a five-year vesting to it. So there's a retention piece. Who helped you sell that up? Our financial planner connected us with, you know, someone that this is what they do. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah. And did you ever read the book, Predictable Revenue? I did, yeah. 
Yeah, you're just following the exact same model in that book for the inbound. Exactly how he recommends you pay out the appointment bonus. Yep, incentivize what you're looking for and what you want. Most people are. Yeah, qualified appointments that you actually go on. Exactly. That your salespeople say, that's great, and I accept them, and they have the authority to pay out the uh, $50 bonus. Are the ISAs licensed? No. Got it. Okay, so we're going to talk about lead generation. They all go to a call center, basically. How many ISAs do you have? Well, I believe we have roughly six at the moment in-house. Um, so it's getting when do you know you need another one? When do you know you need to get another ISA? Our sales director will tell us and he'll just go ahead and hire them. So they don't have, he won't come and ask me. We'll just, he'll just go and hire somebody. But he has a formula that he's built into a spreadsheet where essentially when we're, when we're watching lead flow and the amount of phone calls that each ISA can effectively make in a day, how, much, how many leads are, are coming in, how many ISA. How many times do you call a lead before you give up? Because that's probably the biggest number of affecting how many at the hire. Yeah. And by the way, to get like really deep into the sales strategy, I really would have to bring in my sales director now at this stage to that kind of yeah. specific to that degree. But the last I knew of, it was seven. And then after yeah. seven phone calls, it okay. would go into what we call the pond. The pond. Yeah, because I always hear like, oh, I want to call 10 times. Well, dude, like I need a huge staff to do that. Yeah. And it's the number uh, of times you call. Yeah. Related and to it's it's interesting. Like you should call 10 times. But now if you're going to call 10 times, prove to me that every new lead you have has been called five times in the last five days. Yeah. Right. So this is great. So six inbound people go into how many agents you're setting appointments for? We have 54 agents, I believe the number is. And you generate that much marketing to support all of them in some way. We're running, pushing now on a $2 million marketing budget. That's incredible. How much of the of course they bring in, what, they bring you, in, what you send them versus what they bring Yeah, and themselves. they bring in Sphere Business, of course, as well. Um, so between their Sphere and, of course, the credibility that they get from the team and uh, it's amazing to see people that have been on other teams or been just working independently. They've done two sphere deals in you know a year or a sphere deal in a year, and they come on the team and they suddenly have four deals in you know three months from their sphere. And it's just interesting what happens when we're one the belief right that you get that you get when you when you're operating within a structure and a team and the credibility of what we've built here, but then also yeah. just that borrowed authority of you know, San Diego Business Journal, top team in the county. and you know, Well, and your billboards right? everywhere. Billboards. So I used to live in San Diego and I couldn't drive down the street without seeing guaranteed offer by Dan Beer. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's great because <laughs> all of our marketing does enhance the sphere business as well. And it gets to the point where it's yeah. really, you guys know this and Chris, you know this for sure. It's, it's, it gets really difficult to track everything the way we'd all like to because you could source something. You know, I know this is the listing lead podcast and well, we'll get into that, I'm sure, but you could source something to, oh, uh, this is from uh, radio. Well, they saw, they happen to live in a neighborhood that I mail into, and they happen to see my billboard every day. They just called from this radio ad. Or we might source something to open house, that the people at that open house, or, or, or Sphere, or you know any of this, but those people also drive. They also watch television. They also listen to the radio. So which one of them, which one of them all did it? We'll yeah. never really. Know. How many how many listing coordinators do you have, and then how many transaction managers to service the back end? Yeah, we have. 
we have two transaction managers and two listing managers, each with an assistant in-house. So all those people are in-house. They're all in San Diego. So that's six in-house people. And then they have VAs that support them. And so we do believe in VAs, but we believe in VAs as the support people to our support people. Got it. That's a good way of looking at that. It's like the assistant's assistant. Yes, it's actually that's exactly what it is for us right now. Yeah. Cool. Then deals done. Do you have anyone specializing in past clients, like any no. staffs just for that? No, my marketing staff, but nothing where we don't we don't have one of those like specific, you know, um, past client specialists calling them all or that people no. or anything like that. It's something we're looking at. Well, I'm I'm glad we spent some time on that because it's just really nice for everyone to kind of see the scope. It, really, what you have is just a simple team that's just been duplicated a lot. You know, the same structure that most of the people have been on here, you just have scaled it up with a lot of ISAs and a lot of transaction support and listing support. Now, from the listing lead show standpoint, now that basically what, I, what everyone should hear is that all the leads are going to a dedicated call team to respond and follow up and set the appointments and nurture, and they're not going directly to the agents. And the same thing with you, Chris, all of your inbound leads from your marketing go to an inbound call team to set the appointments for the agents. How many ISAs, what Dan says, how many do you have in Austin? Um, so we have, right now we have uh, five, six. And then I have a I have a director of inside sales. Um, and he has an assistant. So director of inside sales, he has an assistant, and then um, five, six inside sales. Two on the, uh, Let's see. No, only one dedicated on the buy side, and then uh, I've got um, three dedicated. So we have four, four ISAs, four on the listing cool. side, one on the buy right. side. So let's shift now. Listing one, lead show. One quick question I, I, I have, see. Dan, is what's your what does your payroll look like each month? How much are you spending on payroll? Our payroll. Um, the reason I the reason I ask this is like I have to imagine San Diego is incredibly expensive. Um, I don't live there. But um, you know, I looked up on I, I had oh. I looked up on Glassdoor while you were talking, Dan. Yeah. And like my general practice when it comes to like I have you know people email you, Dan, probably all the time. You know they email me all the time. They're like, "What do you pay these people?" And it's usually what I found is it's usually market specific. And so I typically use something like I'll use a couple different sources like PayScale and Glassdoor and research the job title. What's kind of fascinating is referencing inside sales. There's actually more people with the job title inside sales than there are real estate agents. Really? Like the the inside sales industry is huge. I mean, it's massive. Like every major oh, yeah. company in, you know, in America has call centers and their titles are inside sales. And so, you know, like it's a massive industry inside sales, like uh, it's a massive career field. But, um, you know, like if you're going to start an inside sales team, you're going to be competing with other really, you know, great companies. And so you've got to offer a market based wage for every um, person you hire in your respective market. And so I looked it up in um, uh, San Diego. And it said that the average person's making a, a salary of 45 to 60 plus some kind of um, base structure. And so I was just kind of curious, you know, um, based off of your team members and stuff, you're doing north of 10 million in GCI. I was just kind of curious what your. Um... I just pulled it up. It's uh, our monthly payroll. $162,515 with 65 cents. That's low. Yeah, it is very, that is very low. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. So you. It's less than mine. Um, 
So call it th- two, two, uh, two million bucks a year in payroll. And then, um, Spending two million, two million, the rest two, of mil, the two million legion. Um, one other thing that, yeah. cro- and again, I'm sorry, I know we're going off topic here, Frank, but I, I just, I know how our audience is gonna, what they're thinking, and they're gonna be like, dude, what, what's the ISA get paid? What's this person get paid? Well, they're also gonna be thinking about how do we get Chris Waters better audio quality because you're breaking up on. Come on, man! Look at this, look at this beautiful do. microphone I got here. <laughs> okay. Hey, so what? My last question, um, specific to comp, and then we'll move on to the the lead gen stuff. How? What percentage of gross revenue do you give to your listing agents, and and what percentage do you give to your buyer agents? Because I know that's going through everybody's mind. What are your splits? I feel like it's the most commonly asked question. Yeah, and I want to just really quickly mention this: ten point. When you're looking at ten point one million. That remember is our top line received by your home team as an organization. When you're looking at operating the business, we're keeping on average roughly sixty percent of that to operate with. So your your so your now, cost of goods sold are forty percent. Forty percent. Exactly. So now when you let go, and, and that's and that's the best way, Chris, that I could answer what I just with the question you just asked me a minute ago. If someone wants to get into deeper specifics, they could reach out to me. Because it's all blended, yeah. but, it's, but, but it's 40% of the commission. But when you're looking at that, and then you look at the payroll expense, and you look at the lead gen expense, and then you look at, you know, there's the, the other little things like, you know, just the, the systems and the online stuff and all the million subscriptions we have to things and the travel and the coaching and just all the other things that come with it. That when you said that that's low, I guess if you're comparing it off of a $10 million top line, not if you're looking at the six million dollars that we're actually operating the business yeah. with. So you really hey add. one one yeah. thing is man I I just Dan I appreciate you coming on the show like the number of people like across the the business world that would be willing to be as transparent as you are is you know very rare, and so I appreciate you being transparent and and kind of just breaking down the unit economics because. Um, a lot of people would be fearful to, you know, share, you know, what's going on behind the scenes. And, um, you know, you got to be really confident. You got to come from an abundance mindset. And so I, I appreciate you being so transparent with folks, um, you know, telling them what, what the, you know, the unit economics look like for your business. And I, I want to jump in here too. Like I've done a lot of studies on professional firms. So like how, when I had to build, when I had to build viral, I was like, how do professional firms, advertising agencies, CPA firms, engineering firms, whatever, how do they build their business? And everyone says this common thing. You mark up labor three times. So you will not be able to run a successful professional services business unless you mark up your direct labor three times. So the CPA doing the CPA work, if they're getting 30 an hour, you gotta be billing out 90, follow me? And I'm telling you, it's the same thing Dan has here. He's basically, mark you mark up the cost of the agent three times, it's about 40%, 33%. That's a common thread, by the way, Chris, with like many successful teams that are able to be sustainable because they're not giving it all away and they're getting plenty of support and lead generation to have a real business and they're not like totally relying on the agent to do everything. On a, well, let's rephrase that. They're not totally relying on an independent contractor, 1099, you know, person who's maybe they're running their own business. Yeah, I get it. Especially in California with employment laws, you can't be putting too much pressure on it. You know, something um, something I just mentioned is about how, you know, a lot of, like one of the most common questions I get, and I'm sure Dan gets, is about commission splits. And I think one of the the most important things for people out there, you know, building, in it, building a, they're trying to build their listing inventory, they're trying to build a team, 
you know, you have to really quickly figure out how to differentiate yourself so agents aren't asking what the split is. And, you know, for what it's worth, you know, one of the most common objection handlers, if you will, is, you know, when somebody asks us what the split is, you know, we ask them, you know, are you asking if, um, are you asking, are you trying to compare us to a, a gross commission split or a net split? So like they ask the question, what are your split? And I'm like, well, what are you asking? What's the gross split or the net split? It's like a pattern interrupter when pet, when people hear that, the like the typical agent, um, gross split versus net split. And so we tell them, well, you know, if you go join a typical brokerage and you're an independent agent, right? You you have a gross split, meaning like, you know, the split going to your broker is like for them to basically host your license. And then you have to subtract all of these expenses. And after you subtract all those expenses, that's your net split. And so when you join our team, you have a net split. You have no expenses except to maintain your license, membership to NAR, your car and gas. The same expenses you would have, by the way, if you were a nurse or a teacher. Yeah, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I love the, that these are little nuances that you want to bring up, Chris, after years in the industry of listening to countless hours of podcasts. The same thing with you, Dan, of like, I really wish somebody actually bring this up when I was listening to them for the little nuances. And there's a good one, Chris. Thank you. All right, Dan, we're a half hour in. I want to talk about leads. Sorry, everyone. But the um, if you go listen to all the previous shows, there's a lot of common themes. And you're going to see a lot of common themes with what Dan's going to share here today, especially if you listen to Gary Ashton and Dan Noma and uh, you know Andrew Duncan, Andrew Duncan, everyone else. Andrew Duncan. I just thought it would be important yep. to kind of hear up front uh, Dan's infrastructure. So... Maybe we can put a little note here for whoever's writing up the podcast. If someone wants to skip all that and get right to the lead sources, this is the timestamp for that. So with that, number one way, and we were going through this, Dan, you were reading all of your sources. It's Sphere, isn't it? Wouldn't you say that's the biggest thing coming in? The biggest is. It's coming right from the database. Now, that's, that's for anyone that sees you doing 10 million and sees your radio ads and your TV ads and Lord, they can't escape you in San Diego, man, I'm telling you, I see you everywhere when I was there. You wouldn't think that. So let's go into that. What are you doing to get business from your sphere? So there's the core program that we run our sphere, our leads, our everybody through, and so our sphere is part of that. And so we, we go into what the core program is, and then there's all the other things that end up making that last bit of difference, but it's that last significant bit of difference, right? So every month, and, and you know, really, I think you're one of the people that, I don't think you made this up, Frank, but I think you're definitely one of the ones that really brought it to the real estate industry in a purposeful way. So we send our, we, we create an educational video. Some video. And every other month. week we send it out. And, and be frank, I'm not sure that it should be every other week. I think it should be weekly. We do every other week because that's just what you created. I think you were smart in creating it every other week because every week would have overwhelmed people. If you if you're if your content's good enough and it's kind of an opt-in list. I, well, I think if you had taught everyone to do it weekly, you would have also overwhelmed everyone. So I think you were smart to do it every other week. Um, in any case, there's two videos that go up. I was also matching kind of the idea of a no, 33 touch. Whereas that's more of like a fifty. Yeah, every other week we, we so we create an education based video. We, we email it out to our database, right? So that includes our sphere. Now, 
That, of course, Easy. is repurposed on all the social platforms. That, of course, is our, our whole database is turned into a custom audience on Facebook. Is there any fancy retargeting? Well, bit, nothing crazy. Like, I think people get it. You make a video, yeah. you send it out. I mean, no, like... we, we turn our database into a custom audience. We put that in Facebook. We hit them there as, as well. Uh, we might we might hit a 1% lookalike audience, right? But now we're starting to get away from Sphere. So let's bring it back to the Sphere. So the email goes out, it goes on all the social platforms, and we hit them as a custom audience. Now, the beauty of that program that you taught us to create, and you should get the credit for it, the beauty of the program is that is that that exists and also hits our online leads, our PPC leads, our Zillow leads, our everything leads, our open house visitors. Everyone gets that, right? Dan, this is wonderful. I'm I'm the choir, dude. I'm loving it. Keep going. So that's the core. That's the base. And I don't think really, I think that if you don't have that in play, there's I, I consistently have agents that are either part of my network or that reach out and they want me to coach them on how to do something really crazy, really fancy and really complicated. And they're not doing the, ba- they don't have the base. And so I think it's a waste of time. You have to get that. Basic. So what, what, what you're saying here is you have a good solid, you know, 33, 36 touch of constant, decently relevant videos going to every single email you have in your CRM. That's it. Okay. Now, there's, what do we do in addition to that? In addition to that, we all of our past clients get mail from us on a monthly basis. They get a they get. A, How many is that? You get a What's that? How many people is on that list these days? Oh man, past client list is going to be pushing. I have to go. I'll have to go get an update for you, but it's probably in the fifteen hundred range, roughly like that. I mean, we've been ramping a lot. But and you're mailing them monthly. Love it. So we hit them. We mail them every every month. Um, we also on a quarterly basis. So every every time that we do a transaction, we do a simple NPS survey. Right, scale of one to ten, how likely are you refers to somebody you care about? All of our eight, nines, and tens also get a physical gift from us on a quarterly basis. And then we have our events. Um, our events are things like the you know purse bingo event. I'm happy to. I'll tell you. I'll give you a taste for what our events are, and I'm happy to describe any of them. But we have our purse bingo. We have what we call October Fest. Those are our big by two the way, one, that's Dan, our big that's two really every year. By the and way, then we'll, his name if you haven't caught on is Dan Beer. Thank so. <laughs> so we'll do October Fest. And then we'll we'll have random little things for those for those that we've that have uh, scored us a nine or a ten in terms of likelihood to refer us. And so we'll rent out a suite at the Padre game or just do other little things, right? Dinners along the way. But those two events are our big two yearly events. A lot you know what? There's a third. I almost forgot about it because of darn COVID. Because we haven't actually done it since 2019. But we also every year will rent out a movie theater for a blockbuster film opening Saturday night. And how often do you do an event? We'll do that. What's that? How often do you do an event? Four year, three year? Um, the the schedule on that is typically the purse bingos in February. The movie is May June. And October Fest is in October. Quick question for you. I know people are wondering this. Yeah. Dan, do you uh, have people in-house that do your uh, newsletter? And is that digital? You said it was. You said you mailed it out. Is that um, a team member, or do you outsource that to someone like Discover Publications? 
So we use Discover Pubs and my marketing lead to make sure that it happens. Right? Because Discover Pubs will do a ton for you, but unless you want to have a completely generic newspaper, which we don't want to have, there's still work that has to happen in-house to get it to Discover Pubs for them to package it up and then send it out. So my marketing lead. So my, the marketing department, the way I have it structured is I've, I'm, the, I'm the director of marketing. So I'm responsible for messaging. I'm responsible for, you know, what, what, what's going to be our, our um, irresistible offer and, you know, what words are we using and not using in language and subject lines and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, for the, and, and for the pace at which I want things to happen, our marketing lead is in charge of executing it 100%. At her disposal is her assistant our photographer, our videographer, and different companies will outsource to, such as Discover Pubs. I love, by the way, so first off, do you still do the tens of thousands of Discovery publications out to the wide farm? And you're just, correct. Yeah. So you're, that's something we Our make it to, but you're doing a whole correct. bunch of direct mail, but you just include it, you just throw the 1500 on that same mailing, or those 1500 are like a different different version. A different what do you version. call it? What's the masthead? It's yeah. So yeah, we 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 farm two different um, two different zip codes. So each zip code has its newspaper, and some of the articles are the same, but the the neighborhood specific articles are or really statistics of the sales going on in the neighborhood and so on, or what happened with the football team. You know, so that's going to be unique to each zip code. And then our, our, our past client version of it strips all that out, right? Because we have clients all over the county. So when someone lives one hour this way, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to tell them about the sales an hour that way. And then because we're basically going to be advertising to them that, hey, we're not for you, is really what we would be saying at that point. So this, the, the sphere, you know, past client version, it strips all of the market specific information out. And it's all just real estate information. And actually, something that we've done. You remember that crazy ad? And I don't know if Chris can even hear me right now. But do you remember that crazy, weird? You would definitely know. Uh, Forte, what's his name? That crazy newsletter with all kinds of strange. Was that Dean articles. Jackson? It was the uh, most interesting postcard in the world. No, man, this guy. Some, something Forte. So there's this newsletter, and I'll have to think of what the name of it was. But we, um, they have this, they just have wild, weird, really interesting, but crazy weird articles that it seems silly, but just you start reading one, it sucks you right in. So we'll stick some of those into it. We'll use some of their prefab articles, which they give you tons of to choose from. And then our goal is always, can we, you know, we're going to write one is the end. Our advertisers, which we have advertisers can they write one, right? So is there one based on lending? Is there one based on you know, different aspects? One of our top agents will write one. So we want to have unique, unique data. So I just want to let everyone know, go check out Discover Publications. Um, they do a really nice job of helping you run your own newsletter. And Dan uh, basically created two versions of it for each zip code. And then yeah. he throws the yeah. past clients in one of them. It's, and it's legit, dude. It's, it's a full-blown newspaper. Yeah. It's not even like... It's a newspaper. Like it looks like, smells like, feels like a newspaper. You give them my name. Um, ask for Catherine. Give them my name, yeah. Dean Beer. They're gonna when? they're gonna treat you well. So, yeah. And you and you can tell them I said that you can. They can. Send you know, I would love to offer that as a download on the page, Dan. That'd be a good. 
thing to offer everyone if you want to. Dan, one of your there's a there's obviously a ton of people listening to this that aren't quite at 10 million in revenue. And they might be wondering what's the first big building block from a mass media approach? What would you recommend, Dan, if somebody's, you know, haven't got a great, great business and they're ready to take the next step to get more impressions? Um, is it is it the newsletter? Is it um, uh, direct mail? I know you, you're, you've had a lot of success with farming. Well, I never considered mail mass media, though it certainly could be. But the reason I never considered it mass media was we started off with 2,500 homes, which I didn't consider mass, you know, and I realize that's a big number for some, but that's okay. Like I only started at 2,500 homes because I didn't start mailing until I was doing north of 60 million in production. So it just, it was fairly comfortable. You might start at a thousand homes, 500 homes. The point being is we went from 2,500 homes to 5,000 homes, the 7,500 homes, to 10,000 homes. The fit, so it was this gradual process over the course of more than a year. So it never felt like mass media. For us, when I when I said, okay, we're gonna go to media, um, and you know, at least felt that like, okay, we're making a shift into a totally different space. The, the first step for us was radio. Some people, uh, something, something uh, just to pivot a little bit. I, I, somebody that I know that's got a very successful team, uh, you, you two guys definitely know him. Uh, I don't want to mention any names, but, um, you know, he told me he treats Facebook like TV. It is. And so I'm, I'm, uh, have you, um, Dan, have you dived into doing Facebook, not from a, you know, let's go buy some leads and generate the cheapest lead possible. But have you leveraged Facebook like TV or billboards? 100%. You know, where you're, you know, it's been like what, 40, 50 grand a month? No, no, nothing like that. So not that aggressive, but it is 100% of broadcast. Like when you look at, you know, advertising on television and what and who you're going to reach and what it's going to cost and, and then when you look at like Facebook and YouTube, both are a channel. Okay. So you could go to the cable cable includes Fox, NBC, ABC, CBS, Facebook, and YouTube. Those are all cable. I got a marketing question for Frank. Frank, if you're going in San Diego, you're competing with Dan Beer, um, guy who everybody knows. He walks in a restaurant, shows them his credit card, and they're like, oh my God, are you Dan Beer, the guy I see with? So if you're going into San Diego, trying to build a business, and all these other sources are pretty much dominated by Dan, could you potentially like go on Facebook and like spend a crap ton of money and it be your you know quasi mass media strategy? Sure. And yeah. and it be profitable. Yes. When you because the thing I'm wondering about, and I don't know the answer to, that's why I'm asking you, yeah. is like, you know, what makes you know, one of the one of the things that makes mass media effective, like old traditional media, is like the cost per thousand. And so, can you get that same kind of juice out of Facebook if you treated Facebook like um, radio or TV? Oh man, that's a great question. Okay, I'm going to answer that, and then we're going to go back to what I think it is, and we're going to go back to uh, I want to go back into your quarterly gifts, Dan, for Sphere, and I want to go deeper into Sphere. But treating Facebook like TV is something that I've been doing. Um, and we recommend to clients who are doing it for years. I mean, we, I spend a hundred bucks a day at viral, just taking a bunch of success stories and testimonials optimized for video views. 
I mean, it's not, no one's really clicking them. They're just seeing them. I'm getting absolutely no leads. But then I remarket the views with offers. And that's what gets my cost per thousand down. So what you do is you run ads on Facebook, optimized for views or reach or some cheap CPM to the unwashed masses, which is worse now because like you used to be at least, not have to go 15 miles because a lot of the ads we do are like for special housing categories that require a 50 mile radius. You can't drill down demographics or whatnot. But the key is you run the, you do the targeting in the ad. So you say attention homeowners or attention San Diego homeowners. And you, in the ad for the video views, you, um, you, you specialize the ad copy so the algorithm can read it. So 15 miles around San Diego, I say, attention homeowners, here's this thing. Well, who's going to watch the video? Homeowners that are interested and they see you. And you get really cheap CPMs that way. And then you retarget and you remarket with like your conversion ads or your lead generation ads to the viewers, the people that actually consume the video. And that's been a two campaign strategy. It's how I've run our, that's how I run at Viral Marketing, our ad account. When you go to our ad account, you'll see two campaigns. One is for views and one is for offers. Is there, does, you know, because of the Facebook algorithm, is there a law of diminishing return that happens indirectly due to the algorithm where, you know, you- Yeah, if your frequency gets too high. So like, if you start looking at your frequency over the past 30 days and it's like higher than six, people get sick of your ads. So you can actually overbid. Like if you bid too high, like your frequency rates will get to like someone senior at eight, nine, 10 times. And how many times you're like, God, I hate this ad, right? Um, you'd actually don't want to spend too much where the frequency on the audience goes over probably six. How, how much, if you had to guess Frank total bar ballpark to go like crush Facebook to the what? 2 million people in San Diego. Like how much do you think you'd have to spend monthly? I don't know, man. Well, well you just type in San Diego and type a 15 mile radius around it and it'll tell you how many people are on there, you know? Um, and then, yeah, I bet, I bet a hundred bucks a day would do pretty well, man. That's it. $100. It, dude, you don't need much, dude. Like, is it? Remember, I mean, it's you, it, up. you can't even get you can't yeah, but, even get Chris, one Chris, radio ad for hundred dollars. Attention, homeowners, San Diego homeowners. Yeah. You're doing a lot of targeting in the writing. I bet you'd be surprised. But then you're, but you know, when you do that targeting, your cost per thousand typically goes up a lot. Well, no, you're running a video view, which is a lower CPM to the unwashed masses. That's the first campaign, and uh. then you're only running the conversion ads to the ones that engage. We're going way on a tangent here. I hope you guys like this. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm asking a lot of very, I'm asking a lot of very self-serving yeah. and um, also just very. Well, the other option too is, um, let me tell you something else. So Greg Harrelson, who I know really well out in uh, Myrtle Beach, he went in and grabbed neighborhoods. So Dan, how many neighborhoods are in San Diego County? Like 300, 400? A stupid oh, number, God, right? man. Well, he went into uh, like Remine or PropStream yeah. and like drew a little circle around a couple hundred homes and exported it and then appended through like uh you know some phone email appending service every single niche farm and then created 300 campaigns inside his ad account follow me <laughs> with an ad for each specific niche custom audience i mean it's brilliant right what it's brilliant it's brilliant yeah it's brilliant yeah you know and you still you don't do it's all very very efficient yeah so it's like what is your Nelson's Creek home worth with a picture of a home, the entrance to the neighborhood of like Nelson's Creek or something like that. You follow me? So the ad is like super relevant. And then when you go back to the landing page, it's like a picture of the entrance to that neighborhood 
with a picture of that neighborhood. And that's how he got, supposedly, I don't know if your CPM is very low on that. The lead quality is high, but it's expensive to run very targeted campaigns like that from a CPM standpoint. But that's another way of looking at it. But that's enough of that. Hope you guys enjoyed that. <laughs> Let's dive I, I, deeper into I, the, I, the, I the past clients Let's and go all that good stuff. Sphere, Dan. Core program, you got a solid 36 touch going on. You're mailing your past clients 1,500 every single month. That's awesome. Um, I would assume you did a really good job of making sure you know their mailing addresses. That probably had to take some effort, <laughs> you know, to actually have the mailing addresses of your past clients. I'll just share that. But you send gifts. So tell me about this quarterly gifting program and how many hundreds of people are getting unannounced gifts from you every 90 days. And what are these gifts? I just pulled up the report. I just pull, I'm pulling I, I want to hear about right this now. because this was, a, this was something, um, was it Kelly Cook on our show? It's 2,134 past clients. So 2,134 past clients. That's who we mailed. Okay. And so we don't send gifts to all of them. It's the ones that graded us an 8, 9, or 10 on likeliness to refer us. That's still the majority, uh, grand majority. So yeah, we send these out. And what is your question? How do we execute? What, what well, you... well, my question is how many people, so first off, how many people are on the gifting campaign? Um, I'll see if I can find a Roughly, report. how many people get four gifts a year from you? Let's call it 90% of them. Well, no, 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 no. It's, well, it's probably it's true. I mean, a lot of people so, probably rate because we do higher. not. I believe that we do not mail the ones that have left the state. I so believe in state eight, nine, ten NPS feedback survey. What are you? What are you spending per gift? Now that might be stupid. That might be really a bad idea on our part. Maybe we're supposed to be, and they all have other friends that want to follow them here, and they could tell their friends how easy we made it. So maybe we should. Um, we use Client Giant, and. So the price per person, I believe, on Client Giant is $100 per person per year, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh, do you want to hear their tagline? It's a thank outside the box. <laughs> hey, Frank, you told, we was it you or somebody else that told Sorry, me about I found, it? I found, that, I found that funny. I don't hate Apparently that Apparently you guys didn't. Frank, was like there that. was there somebody else, Frank, you mentioned that also does this? They send out some kind of like very creative. Yeah, um, there, it was someone Kelly Cook. Yes, Kelly Cook, Kelly yeah. Episode. Yeah. I forgot who she mentioned, but same kind of deal. That's cool. So 100 bucks, $400. You're spending $400 per past client. So you've got almost 100 grand. Per year. Per 100 grand going just to client gifts. Hold on. Is it $100 per gift? So 400 a year? Or is it no, no, year? I believe, I'll, I'll see if I can get the exact number for you, but I believe that it's, yes, I was correct. It's, no, it's, it's $10 per client per month. So it's $120 per client per year. So you're spending 25 grand roughly. Yeah, we are. Cool. Well, that's a good ROI, given all the How do you, deals you have. Let me ask you this. How do you know? Like, just come on. How do you know when you're spending that kind of money? The gifts is like, man, that's the thing. I got to keep doing that. I'm not, you don't I'm not really going to buy know. more radio. I'm not going to, you don't really know? You don't really know. You get a sense and you stay close to your clients. And you know that if they never mention it, it probably doesn't make any difference. If you get some, you know, if you get tagged in Facebook posts on a monthly, on a quarterly basis, because they go out quarterly and wow, this is so cool. Thank you guys. Or 
you get that private text message, hey, we were really touched with you thinking about us. You, you know, you you know that it's making some effect. Now, do you know that that's the reason why? And if you absent that and with every you know with everything else you're doing, you wouldn't have gotten the deal. You don't know. But here's what you do know: you know what your gro- you know what your top line revenue is. You know what your gross margin is. You know what your profit goal is. You know what you you know so you know that your economics are working. And as long as my economics are working, then the plan is working. What would you, Dan, if the market shifts tomorrow and starts slowing down, what's the first thing you would cut in your marketing arsenal right away? And this has got to be a big ticket item. Television. Television? I'm pretty sure it'd be television. That's a good way of asking that question, Chris. I like that. That's a really good question. Hmm. Yeah, we fairly sure we were having this conversation about three days ago, and fairly sure it would be television. We have, have about you tried OTT where like it puts the ad specifically on specific owners, or are you doing broadcast? No, we're not doing that right now. Other than I have to find out if we're still doing Hulu or not. But Dan, what do you think is what do you think makes TV less effective than radio? If you had to guess, what do you think it is, or billboards for that matter? I don't know that it. I don't know that the medium is less effective. In theory, it should be more effective because they're seeing you and the visual plus the audio, and it should build a deeper relationship. But it, for the most part, lacks endorsement. Billboard doesn't have and an endorsement. So our our video is all. Correct. And billboard is more than it. Like I would never subscribe. I would never prescribe to anybody to go and just do billboards and nothing else. I would prescribe do billboards once you're doing a whole bunch of other things because billboard really more than anything gives gives lift to everything else. It'll lift your past client marketing and your sphere business and your farm business and your radio business. And so it billboards a great way to create lift. And there's no doubt about it that it's a great way to um be known if that's something that matters if they but you know being known for ego is not a great strategy being known because it enhances other lead sources that's there's a guy in your sphere dan um he's you know i know he's involved with cheplak he's based out of boston um oh anthony anthony lamacchia yep so like he came out of the gates and for i think a good portion of his time running his team was crushing it on tv have you talked to him and asked him like what he was doing differently i didn't know that he did television uh so no he and i have never saw i've never talked about tv i have discussed television with um andrew duncan who you've had on the show Frank, we um, should get Ant, we should get Anthony Lamaki on the show to talk to us about TV because we haven't had anybody talk a lot about TV. What's interesting, man, is we're starting we're starting to view television. So we started doing television the way so many others do, which is the, the news, because we want that like you know we think about it as as radio because all of us started on radio. So that morning news show where people are really paying attention, and it's going to be direct response. Billboards taught me to think about television differently. And so we've completely changed our television strategy to be much more billboard-like in that it's much higher impressions, much higher, you know, just much fur- much, much, much more reach. And the kind of effect where like, oh my God, I see you everywhere. I saw you here and then I saw you there and then I randomly saw you here. And then my grandma was watching some weird network and she saw you. And, you know, so... 
we're thinking of uh, television now much more so as in the same kind of light that we see bill that we see billboard in we we want to just go really high impression really 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 far reach and not targeting you know the six to seven a.m time slot on local news the way we did for a while and we're happy with that by the way you know that's the same thing andrew duncan said did he yeah well he didn't call me with the update god damn it i had to figure that out myself no, it's just really about, I just am fun and <laughs> that's the, yeah. Well, I think just, you just, I think probably too, you just kind of get sick of running the same message over time. You want to get the creativity in it and I, I get it. Here's the deal. Let's go back. So Sphere, you got a 36 touch. That's where everyone starts. Love that you're mailing the past clients monthly. You good? Yeah, I've got a few more with you. Okay. So, um, Net promoter score, uh, quarterly gifts. You put on events, you promote those. Let's quickly go down to two other lead sources. What is the second biggest way you bring in leads outside of Sphere? So bring in leads and bring in deals, right? Like it's different because they all have different conversion rates. But yeah, we're what big would you in say farming. Is like second farming. Very, Let's talk very about big that. in farming. Let's talk about farming. Yep. You started with 2,500 homes. How many are you up to now? We are currently farming 26, right, right about 30,000 houses. And they're all getting the Discover publications? Yes. Two different versions or in different zip codes. We did, we did an interview on this a little while back, Dan. Are you, you still you get the monthly newspaper. Are you still mailing twice a month? Have you increased the frequency? Is it still monthly or what's the frequency of the mail? The, the newspaper goes out every month. There's also a postcard that goes out on a monthly basis, plus the digital touches, plus the you know billboards that are on their driving routes. So you're hitting 30,000 people twice a month. Yeah. That's great. How do you know that's working? You know that's working because it's not a coincidence that those zip codes, and specifically one, because one's new to us, but that the zip code we've been doing this in for years, it's not a coincidence that that's also the zip code where we are far and away the top market shareholder and where we're doing five times more business there than our and then in our next best zip code like that's not a coincidence that didn't just somehow happen the reason i'm stating it this way is sometimes the deals we do in that zip code get sourced to radio sometimes the deals we do in that zip code gets sourced to you know the open house but it's by no coincidence that that's happening in that zip code, right? How did you choose the zip codes? You don't have to tell me which ones, just what was your criteria? Like, I'm gonna go there. Um, first one was I, I identified it as an underserved area that was a phenomenal area, but adjacent to a much more like established, well-known area um, that had disproportionately more competition. And so, for that reason, I also moved to that zip code and I just made a decision. You know, there was a couple of dominant agents in it, but I just made a decision that that didn't really matter because most people get scared off by the quote unquote dominant agent, but they're not typically doing as much as they think. If you actually go look at it, you know, they might have done 12 deals or something last year, but they're still number one. And so that's not that's not something that you can't overcome by any means. The second zip code was a decision to go after a neighborhood that we feel is a listener of the radio stations that we are on. 
it just like sort of it it matches where else they might be hearing us it matches where we had heavy billboard presence you know they're on that route it's not actually terribly far from our original zip code same school district um and we we see it as a community that takes great pride in being a community so you know san diego you, you could throw in a, i mean there's a thousand things going on you can throw an event in san diego and the same event that would get 500 people out in minneapolis like is just not going to get any you know you're going to have 10 people show up here but that zip code if you throw the you know the movie in the park night or whatever it might be like they have community pride so interesting feel like we could really, that's a great insight we feel like we could really um once we once we're in we're going to be very in and there's neighbor communication on a much greater rate than most other areas of san diego county that's an interesting oh, insight Daniel. you know my parents are in Hommel valley they've literally we for 20 years they don't know their neighbors names at all there's a few neighborhoods where you know they're much more tight and so that's yeah there. i never heard that it's always been like you know turnover rate and whatnot but that's how you chose it all right we know we want to get you going here dan thanks for all your time last lead source after the sphere you're doing the farm for direct mail. What's one more top source you're using to get listing leads? Well, it's the beyond after that, it's 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 what we've spent a little bit of time talking about already, which is it's media. You know? And here's the thing I want to encourage people to remember. Don't forget about the listing lead you have that you think is a buyer lead. Right? Your a lot of you have a lot of Zillow and you know PPC and different things going, and you've forgotten that those are sellers. People, so these are buyers coming in that secretly have they want to sell. I told leads. you. Yep, a, lot, a good portion of your buyer leads are going to sell a house. So remember to treat that way. But for us, yeah, Frank, it's really our sphere, our farm, and our media, and then you know they all kind of are. It's all incestual, and they feed one another. But because I've got a jam man, I'm thrilled to be on here with you. And I, um, yeah, you know, I actually put my, uh, I put up my my business plan and if somebody wants to download my business plan and take a really close look at it you go to agentacademy.com agentacademy.com and you'll see pretty much on every page but it'll be right there on the on the home page you'll see a place where you could pop your email in and i'll send you my business plan and you can go ahead and download it so that's there if it's useful to anybody and you're awesome man chris always good brother i hope things are good i know they are and Dan, man, thanks so much for being on, dude. You're always a wealth of knowledge and, and one hour is definitely not enough. Um, do you have any events coming up? Anything you're hosting, Dan? Any kind of educational events or anything you're putting on? Yeah. So keep an eye out. It's, there's not even a landing page for it yet. But, you know, we just had a sold out packed house in Nashville for our operations playbook. Uh, John Cheplak and I for our event. And there was heavy, heavy demand. We actually thought we were going to pivot to the inside sales um, playbook again, but there was just overwhelming demand in the room for us to do a sales recruiting and leadership retention um, playbook event. So laying it out in a heavy way, my sales director will be there. He's responsible for our entire sales strategy and recruiting of the team and and um, John front and center for two days. It, uh, it looks like it's likely going to take place in Vegas. If you want to ear, earmark uh, your calendar, it'll be October 29th and 30th. 
if you're listening to this after the fact, because it's already past October 29th and 30th, then uh, yeah, well, exactly. We're going to be right on the back of it. So people flying in can stay. Uh, but if you're listening to this after the fact, it's professionally recorded and you'll be able to, you'll be able to grab it then too. I would, so. Hey, for, for people listening to this show, there's very few events that I go to at this point, you know, like I've, I've done the whole circuit of coaching and events and stuff. And Inman is probably, I bet one of the best ones for people that are trying to stay on the cutting edge of what's happening in the industry. And like startup alley is really cool with like learning about new technology companies. So I'd highly encourage people to go to the Inman event. And if Dan, if your event is right behind it, dude, I'll, I'll stay an extra day. Well, then you're staying an extra day, man. Cause it is, it's on the 29th and 30th. And I'll shoot you the, I'll shoot you the landing page here. Once we have it, it's like a two for one deal and in one location. I love it. Yeah. We're looking yep, at the Green Valley ranch and we were, uh, just shoring up the deal today. <laughs> Don't want to pay those, uh, union fees on the strip. <laughs> it's expensive. Uh, I don't, yeah. Strip, yeah. Dude. Yeah. And it's expensive to hold it down the strip. It's all strip's not work. what it used to be, man. Very expensive. Dan, thanks again, dude. We really appreciate you being on the show. Wealth of knowledge, and uh, I got to I, I got to so commend you on that uh, a com- that client appreciation event with the Louis Vuitton purses and stuff. That's freaking awesome. That'll that'll get some people to show up. Beautiful, love it, guys. It's always fun. See ya. It's nice. See ya. See ya.